Hi, this is Mark Raven again. As a reminder, you're listening to a free podcast version of the audiobook, Practicing Lean, Learning How to Learn How to Get Better Better. You can buy this as uh, an ebook or a paperback, or you can buy the audiobook. You can do this all through www.practicinglean.com. And again, more importantly, all of the proceeds from the book sales are going to the Louise H. Batts Patient Safety Foundation. I'd encourage you to donate directly or even just go to their website and check out the publications they have that help patients and and loved ones and and caregivers all do uh, the best they can to protect patients in healthcare settings. You can learn more about them at www.louisebatts.org. Chapter 1 by Mark Graben. Hi, I'm Mark Graben. I'm the author of the Shingo Research award-winning book, Lean Hospitals, Improving Quality, Patient Safety, and Employee Engagement, now in its third edition. I'm also co-author with Joe Schwartz of two other books, Healthcare Kaizen, Engaging Frontline Staff in Sustainable Continuous Improvements, also a Shingo Research Award recipient, and the Executive Guide to Healthcare Kaizen. I serve as a consultant to healthcare organizations through my company, Constancy Inc. And I'm also the vice president of innovation and improvement services for the technology company, Kinexus. I've focused on healthcare improvement since 2005 after starting my career in industry at General Motors, Dell, and Honeywell. I have a BS in industrial engineering from Northwestern University, an MS in mechanical engineering, and an MBA from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology's Leaders for Global Operations program. My wife and I live in Texas. I'm also the founder of leanblog.org, and you can find me on Twitter as at Mark Graven. Identifying problems is only the first step in improvement. It's sometimes easy to find fault in what others are doing with lean. Sometimes we criticize because we don't recognize what they describe as lean in their organization. Maybe it's natural for an experienced lean thinker to identify problems as we're prone to want to fix things and coach people, even if we have to speak hard truths. For example, we might see process improvement leaders or trainers who focus only on lean tools or just a particular lean tool, such as 5S. Or we might get frustrated when we see people just chartering a few projects or pushing predetermined solutions on others while not even working on changing their management system and culture. If you dig deeper, you might find that their limited or ineffective approach to lean is due to ignorance, a lack of experience, or a lack of proper coaching. Can you blame people for what they don't know? You can't blame somebody if they were taught the wrong things, but you should challenge somebody who doesn't make the effort to educate themselves after declaring that lean seems simple or just a matter of common sense. It could be that you have good people who are trying, but are working under leaders and executives who don't support the idea of changing the culture, or they're not aware of the need or the possibility. Or the leaders and executives are the ones who don't understand lean, and sometimes don't even try. We too often hear about executives who use lean as a cost-cutting tool. They lay off employees, which destroys morale and hurts customer service, doing so while collecting big bonuses. It's likely these senior leaders don't share the same lean values that we appreciate, and they quite possibly never will. The idea of a transformative lean journey might be a pipe dream if the senior leaders see executives as 
a bunch of warm bodies who are just a cost on the P&L statement instead of viewing them as human beings to partner with and develop. Or we read in major business publications like the Wall Street Journal, no less, about a company's lean office that has a self-proclaimed 5S cop who does audits to make sure employees don't hang sweaters on the back of chairs and don't have any personal items on their desks. We read about another organization that bans inactive bananas from employees' desks, as if that does anything to improve the company's performance. Employees in these companies are understandably annoyed by clumsy attempts at 5S. Unfortunately, they come to hate the idea of lean instead of seeing lean as something that provides job security and allows them to feel pride and joy in their work. When lean is just about putting tape outlines around staplers on individual desks, then lean rightfully becomes a punchline. That makes things harder for the rest of us. Inexperience and ignorance or incorrect knowledge? There's inexperience, which we should probably be more tolerant of, and then there's flat-out ignorance or misinformation, which we should stand to correct. It's tempting and easy to criticize a Lean Six Sigma master black belt who has such little understanding of Lean that he would actually say in a presentation on stage that applying Lean to a quality problem would somehow speed up your quality issue and make bad stuff faster. It's unlikely that any of the people in these stories are stupid or evil. They just don't know any better, and they've been taught things that are untrue and harmful. We can criticize what's said without personally attacking the individual. There's no room in lean for terms like tool head or concrete head if this is supposed to be all about respect for people. The false construct that says lean is for speed and Six Sigma is for quality has been taught to countless Lean Sigma students after it was the theme of the book Lean Six Sigma by Michael George. Thinking that lean is only about speed is an incorrect idea that's unlikely to go away with more Lean Sigma experience. But it might go away if Lean Sigma students read books by Taiichi Ono or Shigeo Shingo or modern authors like Jeff Liker and Jim Womack. They would learn that lean and the Toyota production system have two main pillars, just-in-time flow and quality at the source. Of course, lean has something to contribute to quality improvement. It's easy to find fault with beginners while forgetting one's own early mistakes. I've been studying, practicing, and teaching lean for over 20 years in different settings. Whether you have 20 years of experience with lean, 10 years, or even 5, you have experiences and life lessons that probably make you a better lean practitioner than a beginner or the willfully ignorant senior leader or lean sigma whatever belt who chooses to not even learn about real lean. Lean means always learning. These years of experience hopefully make you a better lean thinker than your own earlier self. That's because learning and mastering lean isn't as simple as reading one book or taking one class. Heck, given some of the mistakes and misunderstandings that seem to be common out there, you'd wonder if some of these lean professionals have even read a book or taken a class. Maybe they just read one. A little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing. The best lean practitioners are continually learning. We're reading new books, rereading old ones, attending webinars and conferences, listening to podcasts, and doing everything we can to better understand lean and the Toyota production system. We're also learning by doing, putting knowledge and theory into practice as we work with staff and leaders, getting better at teaching and coaching, bettering ourselves, and practicing our craft. 
We reflect on our successes, our failures, and those times when things were just okay. We challenge ourselves to think better and act better, continually improving what we do, practicing what we preach. I recall a time back in 2003 when I was visiting Johnson Controls, a major auto supplier in western Michigan. During a large meeting, people around the room were introducing themselves to the group. Early in the introductions, an older gentleman stood up and said, with the raspy voice of a longtime chain smoker, My name is Jim Pell. I've been learning lean for 25 years. That was it. Then he sat down. Of course, all of the Johnson Controls people in the room knew who he was. I think all of the visitors knew who he was. Pell was the senior VP and GM of global operations for the company. He chose those words carefully. He set an example for all of us in the room. We're all still learning. Don't get too high on yourself. That was a powerful message. If we keep practicing lean, we'll get good at it. Lean concepts might seem simple, but lean is not an easy craft. Being an effective lean leader, facilitator, or practitioner requires more than books and classes. It requires people skills, judgment, and wisdom, and other things that can often only be developed over time. It's probably not realistic to expect people or organizations to be really good at lean right away. It requires practice. Does a child or an adult sound good the first day they're playing a new instrument? Probably not. If you're not doing, you're not learning. Everybody makes mistakes. It's what you do with them that counts. John Wooden, Hall of Fame basketball coach. I think that word practice is important. Attorneys get to practice law. Physicians are allowed to practice medicine. Think about that if you're a lawyer's first case or a surgeon's first procedure. Try not to think of the sound of an awful screechy violin being played by a new student. There are many imperfect words that get used to describe a person or an organization that is utilizing lean methods and mindsets. Doing lean, which incorrectly implies it's just action and not a different way of thinking. Lean thinking, which implies action isn't necessary. Implementing lean, which mistakenly implies that you'll be done at some point. Getting lean, which also suggests there's an end point or that it's just about the results. Leaning out that organization, which sounds like something that's done to the employees instead of done with them. One of my earlier healthcare clients pretty much banned everyone from using the word implementation. I resisted that at the time, but I now see their point. That word bothers me more now than it did then. I'm progressing. I'm getting better. I hope. I'm practicing. We're all practicing lean. If we keep practicing lean, someday we'll get good at it. Or each day will hopefully be better than the day before. Each year will be better than the year before. In my own early days of learning and practicing lean, I had a lot of misunderstandings and I made a lot of mistakes. I was taught a number of tools, so I tended to think about implementing tools. While I had mentors teaching me some of the mindsets, I didn't have the opportunity to work in a true lean culture. It was always in companies in transition toward lean. I didn't always involve frontline staff, as I was encouraged to come up with answers and solutions as an engineer. I was too focused at times on doing instead of teaching others. During those various attempts, I had the best of intentions. I was trying to improve quality and safety while creating a better workplace and aiming for long-term success for the companies I worked for and their customers. I was trying my best, 
but I sometimes failed others in the process. I think we can reflect and admit mistakes without beating ourselves up. I know I'm not alone in lamenting past lean mistakes. I've heard or read luminaries in the lean world admit some of their own past mistakes. I admire their own openness and honesty. That gives me courage to write this chapter. For example, at the 2015 Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit, Jim Womack made a parallel between healthcare and lean. Womack, one of the most prominent people in the lean world, told the audience, you can treat a patient with drugs, but drugs don't get at the root cause. Womack admitted that he in the past had been a drug pusher for lean tools. Womack now realizes that organizations need to think more systemically and change the way we manage instead of just doing more Kaizens and using more lean tools. In his outstanding book, On the Mend, Dr. John Toussaint reflected on the early days of lean at ThetaCare when he was CEO. Today, ThetaCare has been practicing lean for 13 years and is considered one of the world leaders in the use of lean to improve patient care and reduce costs. However, in the early days, ThetaCare relied exclusively on week-long rapid improvement events. Toussaint wrote, We were frustrated because the transformation seemed to be stalling or rolling backward in some areas. Sustaining the gain was a constant struggle, and it did not seem to matter that our staff knew the lean tools and were pressing forward with RIEs and PDSAs. Finally, some brave soul said to a senior executive, How are we supposed to change when you keep managing the same way? To ThetaCare's credit, they used the plan-do-study-adjust mindset to study how things were working. They adjusted by supplementing their RIEs with a process they call continuous daily improvement. More importantly, they also created a new management system that would help change the culture in a more meaningful way, as described in the book Beyond Heroes by Kim Barnes. Virginia Mason Medical Center, also considered a world leader in lean healthcare, reported that back in 2004, they had backsliding after 60% of their rapid process improvement workshops. This meant it was too easy to slip back into old ways of doing things if there was a lack of accountability and follow through. They only sustained their new practices and results 40% of the time. But by practicing lean and getting better, Virginia Mason has improved its sustainment rates over time. By 2011, 90% of its projects showed sustained results after 90 days, but still only 50% held results for 6 or 12 months. Jim Womack is, of course, one of the people who originally coined the term lean production. ThetaCare and Virginia Mason are great organizations, but they've all gotten better with lean over time. Nobody is perfect at the beginning, not even the world leaders in lean. That's an important point to keep in mind. Is it lame to call situations lame? On my blog, I've been outspoken about criticizing incorrect or misguided things that have been said or done in the name of lean or the Toyota production system. My intent has been to educate people and to defend what I think lean is all about. My criteria for real lean are the things that Toyota does or says, or what respected lean luminaries say, do, and write. I run the risk of coming across as a know-it-all. I certainly don't know everything, but I know enough to know when something is factually correct instead of being merely a differing opinion. A few years back, I went so far as to create a really awkward acronym, L-A-M-E, which stands for either Lean is Mistakenly Explained or Lean is Misguidedly Executed. 
A union publication responded to one of my posts by saying the acronym to them stood for lean as mostly experienced. Touche. If a company is using lean to lay off lots of people, many will criticize lean, often quite publicly. They're really criticizing the company's actions, and probably rightfully so. We can explain that the company is not really keeping with lean principles or practice. It's lame instead. Or if an organization is forcing employees to adopt a new standardized work method without involving them in the improvement process, that's arguably lame as well. If a company is speeding up the work to the point that employees are getting hurt, that's not very lean. I think we have an obligation to those who came before us to call that out as lame. Along similar lines, Bob Emiliani, the author and professor, uses the term fake lean to distinguish bad practices done in the name of lean from real lean. If an organization is just doing occasional Kaizen events and isn't engaging people in Kaizen as the practice of ongoing continuous improvement, that might rightfully be labeled as fake lean. While it might be technically correct to label something as lame or fake lean, is it kind or nice to do so? Upon reflection, it probably is not. Is it necessary to speak out? Maybe. Is it respectful to call out bad practices? I'd argue it is if we're trying to help those who are being harmed or jeopardized by lame. Instead of just criticizing, is it better to take the patient tone of a coach or mentor? I like to think I'm a constructive mentor with people in person. I've never called a person or an idea stupid but I may have failed by shooting somebody a glance that might have been suggested as such. We all have room for improvement. By calling a scenario lame, are we making the person involved in the story defensive, thereby possibly stifling their growth and development if they just retrench? What if the person who determined that employees shouldn't put sweaters on their chairs because it looks bad is a conscientious but inexperienced lean facilitator who is trying hard to learn and practice lean? How patient should we be? There are times I've probably been too harsh in my online writing. It's easy to sit behind a keyboard and criticize. Maybe I should be more patient. Then again, maybe some of the people behind these lame practices are choosing to be willfully ignorant about lean principles. Does the criticism get through to them, or am I just preaching to the converted? Let's reflect. My hope for this book is that we'll celebrate the idea of practicing. I'm also hoping to inspire others to reflect upon being bad at lean in our early days of practice and to get others to share these stories. I'm hoping people will discuss questions such as, what did we misunderstand or not fully understand about lean? What mistakes did we make? What do we wish we had done better? What lessons did we learn? Sharing these missteps and reflections won't necessarily help prevent others from making the same mistakes. And I don't think that's the point. We learn from our own mistakes, and it's probably necessary to go through that process. But showing some humility and talking about our own mistakes might make others feel better about where they are at this point in their personal lean journeys. I'm certainly not perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes, and I hope I've learned from them. I'm encouraging other contributors to this book to share their stories. My mistakes for manufacturing and healthcare are presented in Chapter 2. The chapters that follow will contain first-person accounts from others and their lean journeys.